Those brands are going to now become synonymous with everything you do. And when you think about what you are doing today and 10 years from now, I think that a lot of brand recognition has grown rapidly just because of what's happened this year. Why are Nike's Chunky Dunky sneakers selling for $6,000 on eBay? How did Mickey Mouse find his way onto a face mask? Exactly how did all that Stranger Things gear land into my shopping cart? We explore what makes you click buy on the products that stand out above the rest, thanks to a little thing called brand licensing. Welcome to The Licensing Mixtape, a podcast by License Global. Welcome to The Licensing Mixtape. I'm Amanda Cialetti, and today I am proud to be joined by the License Global team to bring you insight into one of our biggest issues of the year, the influentials. In the December edition of the magazine, we're looking at the biggest brands of the decade, those who have broken the rules and brought licensing to new heights, and the innovators worthy of our 2010s Hall of Fame. We're also looking forward to bring you a glimpse at the brands we're predicting to shape the next decade. But first, let me introduce our team. We have B.B. Wardak, content editor, McKenna Morgan, our digital editor, James Stoner, content editor, Patricia DeLuca, managing editor, and Ben Roberts, content editor. Hi, guys. Hi, Amanda. Hello. Hello. I love that we're all getting together to do this. So, guys, during the production of this issue, we've worked long and hard to pick our top influential brands of the decade with the help of industry submissions and our votes. So let's get to the point of revealing what is our climactic conclusion. Why don't you guys give us the standout selections from the report? Who are your top choices and why? Let's start with James. Yeah, I think some of the top choices for me were probably uh, Ninja in the esports realm, BTS, the the sort of South Korean trends that we see a lot, Um, Adventure Time, so a lot of like adult animation, mobile apps like Headspace, Calm, Postmates, DoorDash, Disney Plus, and uh, plant-based foods like Impossible and Beyond. Well, I like how you say that, James, and you're mixing in all of our past predictions and some of our future, right? We definitely saw such great movement from Korea. I love that you said that for the K-pop movement. BTS has some wonderful, wonderful collaborations over the past decade. Those were all firmly placed in the past, correct? Yes, for the for the 2010s, for sure. And then we le- we looked forward, right? I mean, plant-based sticks out to me, right? We've got great brands like beyond burgers and impossible and all of those things that are just ripe for extension not only because of the movements and the hot you know the hot product category but also because they're sustainable and there's so many different places for them to go can you just talk a little bit about those future leaning programs Sure, yeah. Um, I guess starting out with the plant-based kind of protein brands like beyond and impossible the really interesting thing is they're not just in these sort of grocery aisles, they're at restaurants too. So your Burger Kings, your fast food chains, your higher end chains, they're all there. And uh, I think in the next, you know, 10 years, what we'll see is these brands become very synonymous with kind of like healthy eating and, and they'll be able to expand and licensing in some really unique ways. Um, another one would be like Disney Plus. Um, streaming is the future for the next decade for sure. I, I think COVID and everything that we've seen this year especially has shown that uh, streaming is where movies will be at. Movie theaters might still exist, but definitely you'll be able to stream a lot faster, stream new releases within weeks instead of months. Um, and Disney Plus with Disney and their giant portfolio of films are going to be at the forefront of that. Mobile apps with Headspace, Calm, 
Postmates, DoorDash, they kind of blew up this year just because everyone was at home. And uh, those brands are going to now become synonymous with everything you do and, and kind of when you think about what you were doing today and, and 10 years from now, I think that a lot of brand recognition and brand support has grown rapidly just because of what's happened this year. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, and so many of those things you mentioned are really the future and they're where we're going next. Um, Disney Plus in particular, I'd love to dig in on for a second because we identified um, Disney Plus as the future from both of our own, you know, our own editorial kind of brain trust, but also from what we heard from submissions and votes from our readership. And it's a no brainer for many, many reasons, right? But, you know, we're continuing to see as the days go on in real time, different movements from the studios and how they're changing their relationship to the theater chains, how they're choosing to release their films. Many of them are, are having to adopt a streaming first mentality. And even Disney just recently, what, a few weeks ago, announced that they're flipping their entire strategy to focus primarily on Disney Plus first. So, you know, there are definitely some selections on this list that are absolute no brainers that I think will not come as a surprise to anybody. Um, ben, what, you know, let's let's go to you and talk about some that that stood out for you. Well, I mean, to look at the list itself, what I love about this is it gives you a chance to trudge up the early 2010s. So you've got the real mainstays of the entire decade, like the Avengers. That has gone from the single Iron Man movie all the way to this multi-billion release slate. And each one of these installments creates its own universe, builds on something bigger, and keeps in with a bigger picture of the Marvel you know, scope of thousands of characters that Stan Lee and Ditko created. So going from the early 2010s all the way up to Endgame, Marvel's a no-brainer, as you say. But again, you've got earlier things like Grumpy Cat, Hunger Games, things that you may have actually forgotten about that tailed off in the licensing world. So there are things that have been consistent throughout the decade, such as the Avengers or Adidas. And then you've got Grumpy Cat and Hunger Games, things that we actually kind of forgot they existed. I think I love that you mentioned Grumpy Cat because I do think we need to explain why Grumpy Cat was chosen for this list. And it's a nice look backwards at what has taken place. And some of them have concluded their programs, you know, by now. Right. Grumpy Cat for us, I think, symbolized uh, a movement that's so thoroughly embedded in pop culture now that you almost don't even notice it. Right. It's it's second nature. Um, can you explain a little bit more about the choice for Grumpy Cat and what that symbolizes? It had this mass effect, and you could say that it maybe not gave birth to the meme culture, but definitely expediated it. And it changed the way we think and we feel and we communicate via funny images. I mean, people referred to the Internet as the place to look at funny pictures of cats. And in, from 2010 to, you know, however long, Grumpy Cat the poster child of that movement and he was the start of the, the meme generation um as we know it today but it's not just that that kind of looks back to you know annoying orange and that that wider culture of sharing things that make us smile make us laugh and make us feel good exactly and and the extensions that were born out of it right grumpy cat had a christmas movie and oodles of products and like you said it spawned an entire movement of communication right we do you know our licensed global team perfect example i'd say we communicate in meme 25 percent of the time and it's um it gets it across and it makes you laugh and it it inspires um product extensions which is the end goal for us at least right let's head over to bb tell us the brands that stood out for you either in the past or 
in the future. This was a really difficult report because there's so many factors to consider when selecting the top brands of the decade from a licensing POV. And we obviously called for submissions from our readership. We have a vast readership. We met as a team. And um, in many instances, as you know, Amanda, we we had to give recognition to more than one brand because in certain categories, for example, anime, not one brand was responsible in the 2010s decade to really like move the needle and make it what it is. So we had to list a few of them. We start in those buckets where there's multiple brands and multiple different companies that are like really contributing to the rise of a certain genre. So, I mean, obviously, we all know social influencers and social influencing, like that's that's a huge thing. Social commerce is, is huge. Huge, huge, huge. In 2010s, we saw a huge rise. So as far as stars of social, we saw um, Nickelodeon star Jojo Siwa. She has a huge YouTube following of more than 12 million. She's an institution among the tween and teen entertainment spaces. She's huge, huge, huge. She she really changed the game because with the help of Viacom CBS and Pam Kaufman and their esteemed team, the consumer products rollout for Jojo Siwa was huge and really moved the needle for, for social influencers. There's also uh, Lord DIY, who's represented by um, the brand Liaison and Stephen Heller. And she had tremendous, huge licensing programs in the decade of the 2010s. And our report is really highlighting the brands from the 2010s. So Laura DIY is one of them. Bethany Moda is another one. She published her first YouTube video in 2009. And she um, kind of the first branded fashion collection um, collaborator for an apparel line with Aeropostale, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. She paved the way for huge influencers like Patrick Starr and in, in his line with MAC Cosmetics. And so many other huge YouTube influencers like um, Ryan Kaji of Ryan Toys Ryan. Review. And Ryan's World. Exactly. And, and so Ryan Kaji was such a huge brand among the kids in the preschool market for his toy collection that he has his own line. It was originally exclusive to Walmart. He's paving the way. He's just His toy line debuted in 2018. He has a Nick Jr. series called Ryan's Mystery Playdate. In the social influencer category, the, these are the names we're thinking of. We're thinking about Jojo Siwa of Nickelodeon, Viacom CBS. We're thinking about Ryan Kaji of Ryan's um, Ryan's World. And um, we're thinking about the really like OG people who who put put social influencers on the map, which is Bethany Moda and her line with Aeropostale. And in the same vein, you know, Licensed Global, we, we collected and we, we collected uh, nominations from our vast readership. We sat down together and we really like combed through all of those um, nominations together and, and had our own nominations, too. And another category that really stood out where we couldn't one person or one brand was the preschool powerhouses. So in the 2010s decade, Paw Patrol really like really grabbed the throne, took the throne and, and, and made huge moves. They rank among the most influential preschool brands of the decade and they set off huge uh, licensing programs. Uh, and, and the other influencers in that brand uh, in the preschool bucket were uh, PJ Masks, Daniel Tigers, The Octonauts, Doc McStuffins. Some of these were categories were so big and there was no clear standout. They all needed to get a mention. Um, and both of those buckets you mentioned, the animation, children's animation, and the social influencers are trends we saw over the 2010s that were immense and set off movements unto themselves and have really paved the way for 
what the future of licensing is going to look like. Influencers, for a long time, there was a lot of conversation about how do we monetize this. And Jojo Siwa, the example you cite, is the ex perfect example of Viacom Nickelodeon cracking the code and making social influencers a viable opportunity for brand extensions. On the flip side, and we see the success of, of Ryan's World, um, that really underscores that from Pocket Watch and what they've been able to do to move that from a YouTube video only to the toy aisle, to apparel, to further entertainment extensions that are now starting to come to fruition. It's incredibly impressive. Um, and it's also underscoring the fact that social influencers have a place in the entertainment landscape and that maybe it's not as impermanent a category as maybe once was thought in the early you know, in the early days of that, where it was the world trying to figure out where their place was. Absolutely. Another brand that that was big as a nominee and among our team was Adidas. Adidas is such a huge brand. And in the 2010s decade, the, the really big pivotal deal was Adidas's uh, deal with Kanye West for the Yeezy brand. And that was in 2015 after a reported impasse between Kanye West and Nike. And that deal set off a huge monumental footwear collaborations that put Adidas on the map in the 2000s. 2010s decade and really almost, dare I say it, grabbed the spotlight from Nike. Their brand is so big in 2010s decade, we can really go through everything with the, the sellout of the um, the Red Octobers from the Yeezy line. It's It was so huge. It was a pop culture hit internationally. Jeremy Scott partnered with Adidas for the Jeremy Scott Adidas Originals 2.0 in 2014, one year before the Yeezy line. So that was bringing Adidas to the high fashion realm. Of, so Adidas really captured the spotlight in the 2010s decade. And we can go on and on and on with all of their huge deals. Um, as you know, Amanda, Adidas owns Reebok. Reebok has a huge deal with Cardi B, who's like kind of like a big time you know, she's huge. She's a big pop culture hit. She's a rap icon. So um, all the deals that are happening through Adidas, um, they also have really great licensing deals with Toy Animation for Dragon Ball Z. They have a great partnership with Selena Gomez, the NHL, NAB, Arsenal, Football Club, Prada, Tyler, Ninja, Blevins, um, as well as Lego. Um, we recently covered an, at License Global, and we're going to get into that a little bit later for the 2020s decade, a huge collaboration between Crayola and NBA star Donovan Mitchell um, for a really wonderful, colorful line of Adidas sneakers. And everyone who's on social media knows. In late 2019, we heard about Beyonce's deal with Adidas for the Ivy Park collab. So if you're on social media now, if you're on Instagram, you've seen all the amazing imagery and all the great stuff um, coming out this year. But the, the announcement and the partnership took place in, in 2019, which falls into this decade category between Beyonce's Ivy Park and Adidas. So, um, so Adidas is just making huge waves. We have a lot more information in the December 2020 issue uh, on as far as the specifics of those um, collaborations. But they include Marvel, Cardi B, Netflix, Stranger Things. UFC, which is huge in, um, I guess you can call it the sports realm, and Hasbro. So in 2010, as huge as the Nike brand was, the Adidas brand really stood out and really um, among our, our subscriber base and among um, those of us here working and writing and covering all this, we were like, you know, uh, we, we know and we were covering all this. Adidas is really 
on the map in the 2010s decade. Um, and, and like I said, the, the Beyonce deal with Ivy Park in 2019 put them over the edge. I would I would uh, I would absolutely agree with that. And I think that's why it was so hard for us to make the decision. Right. Well, between, you know, the, the two major footwear brands between Nike and Adidas, we had to look at it through the lens of licensed consumer products. And where were those partnerships really shining for us? Because both of them really could argue one way or the other. And we did argue as a team in our meetings, which one would dominate. But I think the um, the Ivy Park Beyonce collab and, and the future they established there through Yeezy and through those partnerships you mentioned, not to mention things like, you know, innovative and, and slightly different thinking partnerships, like with Crayola, for example, those really have set a roadmap in place for Adidas that's going to pave the way for them, not only in the 2010s, but but long into the future. And we've got a lot backing them. Thanks. Let's head over to you, Patricia. Tell us some standout brands for you from the list. Okay. Well, as we mentioned earlier about how Licensed Global communicates in memes, we also um, communicate in emojis. And a brand that parlayed that into the 2010s is the Smiley Company. So Smiley Company has been around for decades and everyone knows the iconic smiley face. It's been around forever. It got its start as a um, piece of art to go along with a news column that was all about good news. So Smiley is now associated, you know, with anything good, whether if it's a good grade or, uh, you know, good item, like you know, Smiley face, it's just iconic. So in the 2010s, they launched not only um, a new merchandise line, new licensing line, but they actually got into the emoji line. They have their own brand of emojis, which is on the Smiley network, and that's all online right now. Um, as iconic as it is and how it's part of the pop culture always had it's uh, always had a foot so to speak in underground culture so in the 90s 2000s it was part of the rave culture and in the 2010s it got its uh, brand into streetwear um smiley company was working with a brand um called Ch uh, chinatown market and they had a huge line it was everything from apparel to a basketball they have lasted through decades and they always keep changing to keep up with what's going on and they did it so well in the 2010s and i'm sure they'll keep going through the 2020s uh, i agree with that one completely we've been um we've been following smiley obviously for the journey of license global um it's a 50 year old brand and it it feels like the pivot they've made in recent years towards a more edgy kind of streetwear vibe really aligns with fashion trends and current um, you know Instagrammable experiences things that really translate with um, not only millennials and Gen X and and that kind of groups that grew up on the Smiley but it's resonating with Gen Z and and probably Alpha. Um, who are seeing these images and these graphic likenesses that really pop and um, speak to them in the language of today. You know, we're, we're recording this while we're in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> but um, so fashion is changing because of this. And that lean towards athleisure and interacting through your social feeds and interacting through your screens is um, really resonating. And, and Smiley's tapped into that along with that, their understanding of, of the importance of EQ meaning like kind of picking up on social cues and understanding that, which all together kind of sings. Uh, another brand 
I'd be remiss to call them a brand. I mean, they became a brand, but a um, a category in um, the report that really made its mark in the 2010s are the Kardashians. I refer to them as a brand because they eventually became a brand in the 2010s. So for those that remember, I'll, I'll re- recap a little bit about the Kardashians. So it all started way back in the mid-aughts with Kim Kardashian. She was then known as a person that would be featured usually in the gossip blogs. And I guess her popularity from there parlayed into a television series with E! about her family called Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And we saw her and her sisters and brothers, extended family, friends of the family, and it it became a pop culture hit. Um, You saw them everywhere. You saw their businesses. At one point, the sisters ran a clothing store called Dash, and Dash eventually opened up stores but that was just to tip the iceberg with their licensing. It exploded in the 2010s. Kim, Courtney, Chloe, Kendall, Kylie, all at one point had apparel licenses. And then from there, they just branched off. The, the, the entire family became uh, you know, its own business in a way. Um, Kylie became, according to Forbes magazine, the most, the youngest billionaire, self-made billionaire with her Kylie Cosmetics line. Kim Dis- Kardashian. Disputed, but <laughs> yes. But still, still. according to Forbes, uh, I know there's been a little controversy there. Kim Kardashian had a huge deal with Cody um, for her KKW um, makeup line. But if you were to combine, you know, Kim's licensing deals and Kylie's, Chloe and Good American, Rob Kardashian, his sock line, like you could even like spout out to the other brands. Um, at one point, the Kardashian's hair stylist has a, a, you know, her own hair styling company called Way. Everybody, you know, like the Kardashians has like a Midas touch, no matter where you were on there, you know, you know, in that family tree, whether you were extended or not. Somewhere, somehow, you have a licensing deal thanks to the Kardashians. And it's only going, I mean, it's only going to get bigger in the 2010s. Unfortunately, their show is going off the air in 2020 because just, you know, they have so much else going on. (laughs) How could they keep building the show with all these deals happening? And they'll just keep getting, they'll just keep getting bigger. Yeah, I think for us, um, and one of the things that I want to, you know, make sure we mention is that the Kardashians are kind of like the white whale for us. You know, they're a brand that we talk about a lot and how we equate financials attached to what their extensions are doing, particularly when you look at like things like our top 150 global licensors report. I see a gap on it where the Kardashians should likely sit, but they're so well protected. They're they're private. It's been really difficult for us to attach financials and monetization against it, which is why I think it was really important for us to highlight them on this influentials report, because it's one of those brands that goes oddly under the radar for licensing, but it is incredibly big. Um, Kylie's ColourPop range collection with with um, ColourPop and the subsequent selling of that, you know, of her Kylie Cosmetics to Cody was a massive, massive coup. And it is what put her up there with, For- with Forbes calling her, you know, one of the youngest billionaires. You know, Kim Kardashian now has Skim, um, which is her, her shapewear range, which again, similar to kind of like the Ivy Park, 
range with Beyonce and Adidas. It's one of those highly Instagrammable, very social savvy brands that know how to speak to customers in a slightly different way that is resonating outside of brick and mortar, outside of um, even e-com, right? They're, they're going straight DTC and they're using all of their influence or power to back a brand. And it's, it's, um, they've really changed the way that celebrities look at themselves and monetize themselves and even think about themselves. I, I would argue that the Kardashians coined the term self-brand, you know, in a lot of respects, because they definitely took their celebrity and started to approach it holistically. And it, and it became commonplace thanks to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned about um, social media because uh, a brand to watch for 2020 is Peloton who recently made news because Beyonce now has a strategic workout through the Peloton line. And before 2020, I think most of us knew of Peloton if we knew someone who had the bike and they're pretty passionate about being a Peloton owner or the commercial that aired in the holiday season for 2019. And it was a little controversial, but um, as the adage goes, all publicity is good publicity because in this pandemic, as we were home and maybe getting a little stir crazy and reevaluating what we're doing with our time, some of us, some, some of us opted to work out at home and called up Peloton and you know ordered a Peloton. So much so that it was back ordered for months and they, succeeded where maybe some other similar brands didn't was that they were you know ready you know you buy a peloton and everything is there you can either live stream a workout or you can do one of their workouts through on demand but you know they really um kind of ensconced what we were doing with um 2020 yeah i would agree yeah, it will be bigger throughout, you know, throughout the year. I, I think the important thing to know um, why we chose Peloton as a future leaning is that they don't have any licensing yet. But with this size and the growth trajectory of the company, there is no way they're going to be able to um, not take, not capitalize on the benefits of licensing at some point over the next decade, we think. And it's because of that. It's because of that rapid adoption. It's because they cracked, again, cracked that code between the marriage of social, servicing the need of the consumer, wherever they are, whenever they are, you can get on a bike and do your workout whenever you need to, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it be 4 a.m. or 2 p.m., you're not signing up for a class and missing it. Um, Obviously, the pandemic hastened that growth trajectory. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're getting savvy with incorporating clothing ranges and collaborations into their um, into their model and strategic alliances with celebrities like Beyonce who have who are well versed in in what it means to leverage a brand. I think there's a lot of opportunity for Peloton and I don't think we would be the first to say that um, nor the last but I do see a lot of opportunity over the next decade for them to grow into all sorts of different opportunities that are that are quite obvious hooks for a licensed extension. Absolutely, Amanda. And if I can just chime in on the 2020s, a trend that we all know and that's been huge is we have a huge Latinx consumer market base that's really being tapped into and really coming to the forefront when it comes to licensing. So for our 2020s projected brands that are going to be really dominating this space, 
Jay Balvin is one of them. Jay Balvin just had a huge deal with McDonald's um, on the heels of Travis Scott's deal with McDonald's for his own, um, you know, Jay Balvin line. But besides that, Jay Balvin has has collaborated with Viacom CBS for a SpongeBob SquarePants line, which was really, really popular. We cited in our report that uh, the buying power in the United States for the Latinx population is expected to reach 1.9 trillion by 2023, which is higher than the gross domestic product of countries like Australia, Spain, and Mexico. So Jay Balvin is going to be a huge force, um, kind of leading the way. I mean, the Latinx brands and the Latinx uh, consumer market is so vast, so huge. But if we had to choose somebody for, for the 2020s decade, we all kind of put our brains together and Jay Balvin really emerged as a huge brand. He recently had um, a huge deal with Epic Games' Fortnite for a Halloween performance, which was really, really well received. And again, it follows on the heels of um, April's Travis Scott concert with Epic Games. So it's this convergence of gaming, Latinx brands. Um, he's touching everywhere. He's in apparel. He's in gaming. He's in music licensing. He's he's really leading the way. And he said, quote, I really want to be the first Latino to make the statement, elevate the culture, elevate the reggaeton movement and elevate my brand as Jay Balvin with such amazing technology. So the deal with Epic Games for the Fortnite collaboration was like a really high tech, new emerging deal that we're going to see a lot more of. Because right now, as you know, you know, people aren't able to go to concerts. They're not able to like go to live events. So artists with this kind of reach as Jay Balvin has, Jay Balvin is so huge. He's only he's 35 year old Colombian musical artist. He's huge, huge, huge. He has 45 million Instagram followers. He has um, nearly 30 million YouTube subscribers. So in, we we as Licensed Global, when we sat down, we had our meetings. We knew like to to highlight the the players in the Latinx community. So and, and Jay Balvin's already doing that. We don't even need to project it too far for the 2020s. He's already capturing the global throne in this in this arena and doing really well um, licensing wise. So for 2020, that that was one of the brands that really popped out. And another one which we all talked about was Spotify. Spotify just landed a huge exclusive deal with the Joe Rogan experience and podcasting as we all know we just launched our podcast the licensing mixtape podcasting is so big and one of the the pod fathers as they call it um <laughs> one of the pod fathers is the joe rogan experience so he just inked a huge deal with spotify um, and it goes exclusive starting December the 1st. So all of his content is going to be exclusively available on Spotify, including video. And, and they're calling that vodcast. So moving forward, Spotify is going to be a huge player. If Spotify enters the content scene the way some of the industry greats are predicting, like Gary Vaynerchuk, they're going to offer their own content through Spotify. And they're going, they're going to rival huge streaming giants like Netflix, so if, if Spotify really embraces video, if Spotify really takes this direction, continues on this trajectory of bringing in these really, really huge, culturally great podcasts and bringing them to market and allowing everyone to have the video access and making it exclusive the way the Joe Rogan experience is doing, Spotify is a shoe-in, a huge brand, one to watch. And if they continue on this trajectory, Netflix, you know, look out because Spotify's close on your heels. Well, we know they have the licensing mixtape on there. So um, obviously, they're a powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. 
Um, but it's, uh, it's true. I think you highlight two really important points for us, which was the, um, emphasis on Latin brands and where we see the power we had, we struggled really with narrowing down that list for Latin facing brands. And I think it's because there are so many opportunities. It was hard to unearth one one face or one brand that really spoke about the entire genre as a whole. And I don't I don't think we fully got there, frankly, because I think there's so many more to unearth and that will emerge as strong contenders. But the fact is, is that this is a consumer group. It, it's it's everybody, you know, um, it, it is everybody. It's got mass appeal. It is everywhere. It is everything. It's you know, it's embedded within pop culture. You know, it's not it's not just a genre, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I agree with you. And, and obviously, we love a good podcast. So there's a lot of good foundation for the Spotify. Hey, McKenna, what are your thoughts? When it comes to the 2010s, I feel like celebrity led brands, as we talked about, like the Kardashians and Kylie Jenner and things like that, they really boomed in the 2010s. But Perhaps like the most powerful was Rihanna's Fenty line, both beauty, fashion. She had a ton of fragrances. I think she launched like 11 and her shoe line that she recently launched. um, She recently launched a second shoe line with a famous fashion designer. So when it comes to celebrity land brands, uh, she really kind of paved the way for a lot of other celebrity brands to launch specifically in the beauty industry. Uh, Rihanna's Fenty Beauty line launched in partnership with Kendo in 2017, and the initial launch included 40 shades of its ProFilter matte foundation, which was unheard of in the beauty industry. Um, That many shades was a level of diversity that the beauty industry had never seen before. And because of that, multiple other celebrities within the last year or two have jumped onto the bandwagon. We have Selena Gomez with Rare Beauty. We have a ton of different celebrities just jumping in and giving their spin to the beauty industry. And because of that, Rihanna really kind of set a precedent. And before Rihanna, there was Jessica Simpson with her fashion and shoe lines and with her perfumes. Fancy is one of the most popular perfumes in the industry. So within the 2010s, I think that celebrities, as Patricia was saying about the Kardashians, celebrities really have taken more of a holistic approach with how they license things and they have started to put their name on so many different things and have kind of become business people alongside just being public figures. And I see that growing a lot in the 2020s as well. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, Couldn't agree with you more. And I think that was another difficult conversation for us, right, was narrowing down one celebrity to encompass who could be the face of our 2010s. And we did select Fenty and and Rihanna for a reason for the reasons you cite, and because of of her work for of expanding the minds and expanding the opportunity for the diverse range of consumers at retail. Um, she really made that mainstream, and um, that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely, and especially with like her uh, Savage X Fenty line um, of lingerie, she is launching in so many different body types as well. We see lingerie for men, we see lingerie for women, and we see the models sporting all sorts of different body types um, from heavy set, thin set, Victoria's Secret model, like everything, you know, and I think that that's really just she's moving into the 2020s in a way that highlights importance of social justice and diversity and inclusion, but she's also doing it in a way that is very on brand for her as a celebrity. 
Exactly, which is what we always talk about in licensing, especially now, and what resonates, right? It's that authenticity. That's what makes a successful brand is when they are authentic to their core. So that's why for us, Fenty stood out because it does make perfect sense. It's a very organic extension of the Rihanna celebrity. It's a very organic extension of who she portrays herself in the media to be, who and how her art conveys her celebrity. It made perfect sense. And but it wasn't it, it wasn't easy, you know. There were a ton of celebrities that really easily could have fit into that category and and you know, we we had to pull the Kardashians out to stand alone for that very reason. Jessica Simpson, you mentioned, who is a mega powerhouse. I want to note that we talked about that endlessly, but she came in the early 2000s, right? And this report focuses on the 2010s decade. So for that very reason, even though she's a billion plus licensor and, and brand, she just barely made that cutoff, but it should be noted she absolutely paved the way for some immensely successful licensing deals. Absolutely. And also within the 2010s, as Ben mentioned earlier, we have young adult fiction, um, which was a huge licensing topic. Um, The Hunger Games specifically, obviously we had franchises like Harry Potter and Twilight, but they kicked off at the end of the 2000s around the 2008-2009 era. Uh, the first Harry Potter film launched in 2001, and obviously those licensing programs continue to be super popular to this day. But The Hunger Games, um, which, like, if you haven't read it, it's a dystopian fiction series, released the first of their four films in 2012. It blew up in the box office, um, and it turned names like Jennifer Lawrence, Liam Hemsworth into instant stars. It became a pop culture phenomenon, and because of that, it, it set off licensed goods like Halloween costumes, jewelry, beauty collaborations. You could not walk into a Hot Topic without seeing a giant Hunger Games display for a good five years at least in the 2010s. And, you know, it paved the way for a lot of other young adult films, um, like The Fault in Our Stars by John Green, saw huge merchandise lines um, at places like Box Lunch. And I'm sure, you know, as... The box offices open back up and Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu, they continue to stream movies like that. We're going to see a lot of other uh, licensed goods like that launch in the 2020s, like um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. That has become a pretty large brand in and of itself within a year and a half. So, yeah, that's another category we really struggled with, right? Because because of Harry Potter and because of Twilight specifically, you know, those those launched earlier to our reports kind of segmentation but it was hard not to put twilight on the list i have to say and and it's because of that very reason you could not you know because of the path that twilight paved for a brand like hunger games and the model it set up that's why hunger games had such great success was was that model this has been great you guys but we have been talking for a while so i'm going to go ahead and wrap it all up for us but i think there's so much more to get out of our report I hope you guys head over to licenseglobal.com and check it out and download it. We'd love to hear your feedback too, because I know there's people we are missing and there are maybe some thoughts you might have that differ with ours. And that's what makes the conversation fun. So let us know, Um, visit us via social, check out the report and come say hi to any one of us. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Enjoy.